You are listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. We've been observing the tremendous victory that Joshua and the people of Israel experienced as they continued the promised land conquest. Now, in our previous weeks together, we examined the fulfillment of God's promise uh, to Joshua and all the Israelites uh, to claim a land that had been promised to them for more than 400 years. This is a graphic I found uh, just for children and just showing this warrior, this victorious leader, Joshua, and this area uh, that was called the promised land, okay? And all the different nations that it inhabited. This is a modern-day map to show the region that, that Israel uh, inherited, and so with that as, as the backdrop, uh, two weeks ago we saw that the, the conquest of the central portion of the promised land, cities like Jericho and Ai. And then last week we talked about this, the, the conquest of the southern portion of the promised land. And if we would take time today, we, we aren't because we're going to fast forward to Joshua 14, but if we took time to read Joshua chapter 11, we'd see the conquest of the northern portion portion of the promised land. And then at the end of chapter 11, the the, the conclusion of the capturing of this entire region, we read this description in Joshua 11, verse 23. So Joshua took control of the entire land just as the Lord had instructed Moses. He gave it to the people of Israel as their special possession, dividing the land among the tribes. So the land finally had rest for more. I love this description and how in verse 23, uh, the description of the rest and peace that Joshua and all the people of Israel experienced, but also the land itself as the result of God's promises being fulfilled. It's a great reminder for all of us to truly rest and find peace in the promises of God. Also embedded in this description and throughout the book of Joshua, we see the Lord continues to bless those like Joshua who are obedient to his instructions. We see over and over again uh, in the book of Joshua uh, the fulfillment of what God had previously promised. And At the end of Deuteronomy, uh, he says, if you obey God's commands, you will be blessed. This is seen throughout Joshua's life and his leadership. In fact, one author describing the chapter that we're going to really examine today, Joshua chapter 14, he describes this entire chapter, the disciples' reward. Now, as we read from Joshua 14, we're not only going to learn from Joshua, but we're going to learn from a friend of his, a a contemporary, a guy named Caleb. I find Caleb a fascinating character. And he's a brilliant example of the importance of our first observation today, remembering God's promises, remembering God's promises. So if you have a Bible, a Bible app, or if you just want to pull out the message insert, you can follow along Joshua 14 in verse 6. It says, a delegation from the tribe of Judah led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. 
Caleb, this guy we're going to focus on today, Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which You were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. I love this guy, Caleb. In fact, in my opinion, Caleb is one of the unsung heroes of the Bible. He stands as a lasting example of an individual who remembers God's promises even when it takes years for them to be fulfilled. For Caleb, he had to wait 45 years to see God's specific promise through Moses be fulfilled in his life. You see, the time we wait for the promise to be fulfilled does not diminish the strength or the veracity or the truth of the promise. Now, preparing for this message entitled, The Promises We Claim, I reached out to Southwest leaders, and I also reached out to friends on social media, and I asked the following question, what specific promise of God is the most important to you on a daily, regular basis? What specific promise of God is the most important to you on a daily, regular basis? You see, the the, the title of the message is not the, the promise, promises of God that I claim, it's the promises we claim. And so I wanted to make sure I did my homework to see what promises you remember and friends of mine on a regular basis. It's been really encouraging the past few days. I put that out there on Friday. Uh, and uh, you know what happened was uh, I sent out the email, I think on Thursday night to the leaders, and then I, I put, posted this, this question on social media, and I've had more than 50 responses in just a couple days. And it was just so encouraging to see the flood of promises that came in from, from a bunch of different people. Now, I, I wish I could take time to read all of them, okay? But I want to just give you a sampling of some of the promises that, that came my way that people cling to on a regular basis and see if some of these are promises you cling to as well. And if I don't read or name your promise that maybe is the nearest and dearest to your heart, I would love for you to, to write down on the communication card, hey, this is the promise I cling to, or maybe see me in the lobby and let me know because I'd love to hear from more of you. But here are some of them. I'm not going to try to comment on them because I think they're just great promises and I think they stand for themselves. So I'm just going to kind of read through them and see if these speak encouragement to you. In 1 John chapter 4, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Psalm 100, for the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all 
generation. Hebrews 13, I will never leave you or forsake you. Philippians 1, he who began a work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 10, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Isaiah 40, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And then this promise from Jesus in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? I don't know about you, but just reading these promises. In fact, yesterday afternoon, I just went through all the posts on my social media. and A number of people didn't post the the you know, Bible reference chapter and verse, but they just posted their paraphrased version of it. And so what I did was I just took each phrase and I searched and found the scripture that went with each one of them. And I just wrote out all the promises that were listed that had been given to me. And I, I don't, I was just really, really encouraged by just reading through those promises of God. And I have to make a confession, okay? Because I really had trouble first getting into this message because, you see, uh, I've been trying to give you updates on this, but but my wife and I, our, our second granddaughter, it was due date was yesterday, okay? So I really, uh, I put Andrew on notice, and I said, you know, Andrew, if we get that call, I said, in fact, what's the, the drop-dead date or time that I can let you know that I'm headed to Michigan to, to witness the birth of another grandchild? And he, he, said, he graciously said, if you can let me know by Saturday at noon. And so, I mean, at 11.55, I'm thinking, am I going to get the call? And honestly, I was struggling to get the message together because, and, and Andrew said, send me your notes and I'll preach it. And, and I just had to confess, I was a little selfish. I was having trouble being motivated because I thought, well, I'm not even going to probably preach this message. And, uh, but when, when 12 o'clock rolled around and it was obvious I was going to preach it, you know, I, I, and by the way, I still haven't got the call, so... Uh, if I get, if, if the phone starts ringing during the message, I, you're on your own. Okay, but anyways. <laughs> but, um, but here's the deal. You know, after I, I wrote down all those scriptures and all those promises of God, I thought, man, I'm so grateful 
I get to preach this message. Because it's, it's so encouraging to read and to think about and to remember the promises of God. You know, one person, as I put out this question, one person responded to me very honestly. They said, you know, I, I'm pretty persistent in spiritual disciplines in my life, but they said, honestly, I, I've not been thinking about the promises of God lately. And so here's my question for you. Are you daily, are you regularly remembering the promises of God in your life? You see, Caleb never forgot the promises of God, even when he had to wait 45 years to see them fulfilled. I have to believe, as we're going to keep reading, that's why he stayed so strong and so determined in his faith and in his life. Caleb's one of my heroes in Scripture, but one of my heroes in real life is my mom. My mom is a, is a faithful prayer warrior. She's 88 years old, and she's still going strong, and I'm grateful for her. But, you know, as, uh, as I think about my mom's faith, and, and I think back to just many, many lessons I've learned from her in my life, uh, when my mom turned 80, one of my sisters came up with the idea of, you know, let's, for mom's 80th birthday, let's everybody bring to the party some 80 something, you know, 80 of something. And so there were all kinds of different things brought to the party. And I thought, what can I bring that would be meaningful to mom? And so um, what I did was I bought one of those little index cards that's on the big rings that, you know, you can flip through. And uh, I went through and found 80 promises of God in Scripture and hand wrote them out on cards. And I thought, maybe that would encourage mom. And, you know, she has shared with me many times in the last eight years that she says, you know, I'll call her and she says, I'm just flipping through the promises that you gave me for my 80th birthday. Maybe that's what keeps her strong in her faith. Are you remembering the promises of God in your life? Well, that brings us to our second important reminder, the importance of not just remembering the promises of God, but also trusting God. God promises. As we, learned, uh, as we learned this weekend from this guy named Caleb, let's go back and read when we're first introduced to Caleb, uh, 45 years earlier in the book of Numbers, okay? Numbers chapter 13. And, and let's see how that Caleb had demonstrated this persevering trust in God's promises all along. In fact, in Numbers 13, the, the Tech, the context for this is that this is when Moses is still leading the people of Israel, and they come up to the Jordan River. They're ready to enter the promised land. Moses is ready to take them in, or at least send them in, because he wasn't really able to enter. But he was going to send them in. But first, he sent this forty spies out to go spy out the land. Excuse me, the twelve spies, one from each tribe, and uh, the twelve spies. There were only two that came back with a positive report. And that was Joshua, who would go on to be the leader of the Israelites, and Caleb. And so let's read, even in the face of opposition, when the majority of the spies, the other 10, which by the way, we don't even know their name. I mean, they're listed in the Bible, but I bet you couldn't even name them. But we remember Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they trusted the promises 
of God. So let's read about this in Numbers 13, verse 30. The ten spies say, yeah, the land's full of great fruit and milk and honey, but we can't take it because it's just too intimidating. And let's see how Caleb responds in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in. All the people we saw there of great size, we saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. You see, it's one thing to remember the promises of God. You see, this was the promised land. All 12 spies knew this was the promised land. It's one thing to remember. It's one thing to recite, to even quote the promises of God, but it's an altogether different thing to truly trust that these promises will come true. I love Caleb as even in the face of resistance and opposition of others, Caleb says, we can certainly do it. Hey, if God has promised it, let's go take it. If God promised it, it's going to happen, it's going to come true. I love that faithful, trusting attitude. How about you and me? Do we have that same trust in the promises of God? What's the promise of God that you have trouble trusting in your life? Is it the promise that the Lord is with you? Is it the promise for maybe some of us that struggle with guilt and shame? Is it the promise that the Lord completely forgives? For those of us who who think that it's all about what we do and our works mentality, is it the promise that, that we're saved in Jesus Christ by God's grace? Maybe for some of us that are struggling with a particular temptation, is it the promise that the Lord will give you strength to say no to that temptation and he'll provide a way out in the face of temptation? Or maybe for some of us that worry, is it, is it that the Lord will provide for our needs and that because of his provision in our life, we can have peace and confidence even when we don't quite know how it's all going to work out? One of the inspirational aspects of Caleb's faith is that he trusted God's promises even when he was the minority report and that the majority of the people around him didn't trust. You see, it's one thing to demonstrate faith and trust when we're in gatherings like this and we're singing these great songs of praise and we're lifting hands and clapping and saying, yeah, I believe in God and I believe in God's faithfulness. But what about when we're surrounded by people that don't believe? What about when, we're, when we seem like we're surrounded by pessimistic people? Maybe it's people in our own family. Maybe it's people at the workplace who seem to always be grumbling. Or maybe it's an old friend that we continue to hang around with, but it seems like every time we're around them, we get dragged down. Do we have that faith and that trust that Caleb has that even when we're in the minority, we'll stand up and say, I believe in God and I believe he will certainly 
accomplish what he's promised. Now, it's easy for us to to read these great stories of faith and ask ourselves, well, why didn't the other 10 spies just believe and trust the promises of God? I mean, it was the promised land. I mean, why didn't they just say, well, yeah, we can do it? Well, as we read this text, we see that there were some formidable foes in the promised land. Some of these nations that needed to be defeated were, were, were strong and lived in fortified cities. And in fact, we're mentioned in this text, one particular group, it's the Nephilim. And they're described as the descendants of Anak in verse 33. Now, these were an intimidating group of people. In my research, I, I found out that these the, the Nephilim are only mentioned twice in all of Scripture, one back in Genesis 6 before the flood uh, with Noah, and then here in Numbers 13. The Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures rendered the name Nephilim as giants. You see, these Nephilim and their descendants uh, the, of Anak, they, they, were, they were giants, according to my research. With further research, I discovered that the descendants of Nephilim still inhabit uh, an area or region today. It's called the Nas- National Basketball Association, okay? <laughs> so, so there are still giants among us. Now, it's, it's, it's one thing to say we trust the promises of God, but what about when that giant is right there in our face? that huge obstacle, that barrier in our life. You see, it's so easy for us to take our eyes off the promises of God, off of God himself and our trust in him, and to begin to fix our eyes on the obstacle, the roadblock, or the giant in our life. Is there a giant in your life right now that's led you to lose heart? Maybe it's some big problem at work. Maybe it's some challenge in your family. Maybe it's some crisis financially. And, and it just seems like you're, you're obsessed with that, and that's where your eyes are fixed. Have you lost sight of how God can be at work, even in the face of giants? You see, it's... it's It's our challenge to imitate Caleb's trust and confidence in the promise of God and to truly say, yes, I believe by God's power this can certainly happen. Do you believe in the promises of God? Do you believe in the basics of our faith? I like what Timothy Keller had to say about this. He says, almost all our problems stem from the fact that we don't really functionally believe and grasp and understand and live out the basics? Do you believe and trust in the basic promises of God? As we close out our time together this weekend, we want to examine Caleb's example of not only remembering, not only trusting the promises of God, but claiming the promises of God. In Joshua 14, back to our original text, we read in verse 10, Caleb emphatically saying this. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he's talking to Joshua, he's ready to claim his portion of the promised land. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. 
while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard then that the Anakite were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Man, I love this guy, Caleb. He's an inspiration to me and I hope he's an inspiration to you because he didn't simply grow older, he grew stronger. And I love how Caleb finished his life in a strong manner. As I get older, I've become fascinated with this concept of finishing strong. Just a couple weeks ago, I celebrated a birthday. And the number that represents my age is the biggest number I've had up to this point. I guess that's the way it is every birthday. I mean, 38's a pretty big number, okay? I'm not saying that's my number, but I'm just saying 38's a pretty big number. And yet I'm inspired by Caleb to make sure that I don't grow older, but that I grow stronger. In fact, I kind of see myself as a late bloomer. And because of that, I'm convinced that my best years are ahead of me. And specifically, I, I believe as I feel like I'm just beginning to learn what it means to lead, I'm just beginning to learn what it means to teach and to preach God's word. And I'm just really excited about the next 10, 12 years and what God's going to do, Lord willing, that I have that time to serve in ministry. And even more importantly than that, I'm, I'm convinced as we're nearing our 20th anniversary as a church this October, I believe that our best years as a church are ahead of us. And I can't wait to see what God has in store for us as a church the next three, the next five the next 10 years, and I'm looking forward to experiencing it with you. You see, I keep clinging to the promise that someone else posted on my Facebook page of Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm dreaming and asking and imagining some pretty big things for the future of this church. And this passage tells me God's able to do immeasurably more than that. Let's make sure in our individual lives that we finish strong, that we just not grow older, but that we grow stronger in our faith. And as a church, let's make sure that we don't grow older as a church, but that we grow stronger, clinging to the promises of God to be lived out in the life of the church. Caleb said to Joshua, so here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. You see, what I believe kept Caleb growing strong and vigorous was he never quit clinging to the promise of God in his life. He never quit dreaming and believing that he would personally claim his plot of the promised land. Now, I'm not sure if Caleb was as strong at age 85 as he was at 40. I'm not questioning Scripture. Scripture just says he said it. 
But I believe he believed he was just as strong at age 85. You see, I think that's half the battle is when you believe it yourself. When you claim God's promise in your life. I think that's the key of finishing strong in life. As we continue reading verse 13, we read, Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron was that portion of land the giants lived. Caleb said, give me that hill country. I want it. I want that land I've been longing for. The name Hebron literally means the Hebrew place or a place of fellowship, love, or communion. You see, I believe that Caleb finished strong in life because he had claimed that promised land 45 years earlier. And in his heart, he already had it. Have you claimed the promises of God in your life? Have you claimed his love? Have you claimed that fellowship that's available through Christ? Have, have you claimed that, that the promise of God's spirit living in you and the communion with God and his saints in your heart? You see, I look forward to spending eternity with God the Father in heaven. But as I read scripture, I believe that eternal life begins when you become a Christian. You see, I believe in my heart, I already have eternal life. And I want to finish strong. How about you? How about you? As we close out our time together today with communion, let's recognize that communion, like Hebron, is a place for us to center our hearts and for us to remember the promises of God, to be determined to finish strong in our faith and to live out our faith every week. Caleb finished strong, but he's just kind of a for, uh, uh, pointing towards someone who would finish even stronger. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, when he went to the cross... In John chapter 19, after hanging on the cross for six hours, he finally said, it is finished. I'm so grateful that the Son of God came from heaven to earth. He was willing to surrender to God's purpose, of God the Father's purpose in his life, and he saw it through. And he was willing to do that so that we could become a part of God's extended family. You know, when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, you know what that means to me? That means it's already been done. I just have to claim the promises that he provides through what he did on the cross. As we take communion today, as we pass the trays, as we take the pieces of bread Let's be reminded that the Son of God left heaven and came to earth. And his, his whole purpose, yeah, he came to teach and to preach, but, but his whole purpose was to provide a means for us to have an eternal relationship with the Father. And when he went to the cross, he finished that work.
so that we could have certainty of that eternity. But yet it cost him dearly. As we take the cup, let's remember the blood that he shed so that we could be forgiven. Let's during this time of communion claim all the promises that are ours in Christ. Let's claim them by faith. And let's also examine our hearts and say, am I living every day as if I believe the promises of God are true? Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you. Thank you that you are a faithful God. Thank you for all the promises in your word. I pray that today we've been reminded of them, at least a portion of them, Lord. Thank you, Father, that Jesus came to this earth and he died for us. He finished strong. And, Father, when he died on the cross, it was finished. Our redemption was made possible. Our forgiveness was was sealed in him. And, Father, we thank you for that. Help us during this time of communion claim all the promises that go with his death and his resurrection. And help us, Father, to be determined to live life focused on him and the promises you give us in him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Southwest Church Teaching Ministries. We are a community of people committed to following Jesus and making disciples. Please join us for one of our three weekly gatherings, Saturdays at 5.30 p.m., Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and 11.15 a.m.